right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Monday morning, podcast time. Somebody's got a case of the Monday's time. It's probably Pat time. Probably get your butt kicked saying something like that. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in the house this morning, fellas, Monday morning podcast. We promised we were going to do this differently. We, we tweaked the schedule. You know, it used to be the, the Football Friday podcast. Now we're going to go Monday mornings, Thursday mornings, and then whenever news breaks, which last week it most certainly did. Tennessee picking up a big, big football commitment, and we will discuss that later. First off, how are we doing, fellas? I'm here. The Braves could be, just beat the Dodgers. They uh, benched Ronald Acuna and still beat the Dodgers. That's impressive. The Cardinals didn't lose a series to nobody, the Reds. Nobody so. cares about the NL Central. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true. Whoever wins the NL Central gets to lose to the Braves Basically. in the NLDS. Yeah. Here, here's my stance on that before we get into football. Nobody cares. It's If you know that, uh, that, that good old Kurt Vonnegut quote, that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. That, to me, is the motto for the National League Central Division in 2019. Two because weeks ago, someone, you are talking about how tough it is. Oh, I'll, I'll get back to that. You just get the train back on the tracks here. I'll get that. I'll, first off, first off, uh, I've got the buttons here, so I'm driving the train. Mm-hmm. Secondly... I will, if I want to, change my mood about the Cubs entire season in like a minute. I'll do that. Uh-huh. But y'all are here right now. It since April. <laughs> y'all are here this morning to listen to Tennessee football. Guys, third week of camp set to start after the second are, scrimmage of camp. Are they still in camp or is it more like... I think it's sort a, of like in a technical sense, camp is broken. It's extended camp game broke. week. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's it, as the as as Jeremy Pruitt described it Saturday night after the scrimmage. He said we're going to spend three days this week getting ready for other teams. Now he didn't say this. I'm sure they'll spend a lot of time on BYU and a lot of time on Florida. Yeah, because no, no disrespect to Georgia State or Chattanooga. Yeah, the, yeah, better not disrespect the mocks. But in that press conference, that was also the one where I asked Pruitt when they were switching from kind of camp mode to to season mode or Georgia State mode, and, and he just didn't answer the question. And then a couple questions later, Ramey asked him not that question, basically, and he got that answer. So we found a way to get it. We just had to ask a couple times. But Tennessee did have its second scrimmage, and usually, not always, uh, but oftentimes the second scrimmage is the most important scrimmage of a camp. They say you make your, your most improvement from your first game to your second game or from your first season to your second season. What about your first scrimmage to your second scrimmage? It seemed like, and we spoke with Pruitt right after, so he hadn't seen any film, so we need to throw that caveat out there from the beginning. But he seemed like he was in a pretty solid mood talking about that scrimmage. He seemed to like it a little better, and I got a feeling that has something to do with the defense forcing some turnovers. Yeah, it kind of sounded, though, um, I mean, this was I think this was their one week of the preseason where uh, there was no school, right? Yeah. So there's no no pesky classes to get in their way. It was a lot right. of football, a lot of team, you know, togetherness time, all that kind of stuff. That's where the camp part really happens. Yeah, that, like that's, one week. That's the camp. It's like they, it's like they go away. Remember the Titan style, but they don't. It's like when they went to Johnson City that time, except <laughs> they don't do that ever anymore. Oh, at the Milligan College out there. <laughs> yeah, it was more Elizabeth than than Johnson City, but whatever. Let's not get in the weeds here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. He but anyway, was pretty excited about the forced turnovers because he has said several times throughout this camp that he wants – he's proud of the offense for taking care of the football, but he wants the defense to pry it loose more often. And then in the scrimmage, the defense does pry the ball out a couple times, gets a fumble six, uh, gets an interception of Jared Garantano, uh, does some good things, and yet he also says, oh, but the offense got to take better care of the ball. So it's hard to have it both ways as a coach, and he admitted that, but I think he was happy to see the ball – Scored out a couple times. Yeah, and but you know, talking to some people who who were there, um, kind of sounded like it was, you know, the scrimmage at the end of a, a long week. That yeah. there was some sloppiness, um, and it still sounds like as much. Uh, I think we heard there were four turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. Thereabouts, yeah, definitely three, maybe four. Depends on um, who I, I talk. It to. still sounds like the offense may have like won, quote unquote, won the scrimmage though. 
you win a scrimmage despite turning it over four times, you must have done some yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so, uh, well, really the special teams won the scrimmage because that was the only position group that Jeremy Pruitt was like, hey, I like the, how they did today. There you go. So, um, shout out to the kickers and the punters. Good job, Kevin Shear. Punters are people too. Um, Punter you. But, yeah, you know, turnovers, penalties. Um, you know, but it, it's it's kind of like that last evaluation tool for um, – for the coaching staff and they obviously have decisions to make because now you got to start paring down how you practice and who you're giving reps to just because you know you got to go get ready for games and stuff now so you got to have guys you got to know who your ones are you got to know who your twos are you got to have you know who's on your scout team all that kind of stuff you have so. to present hypothetical dilemmas in a press conference setting when you're talking about two very specific players <laughs> in a very specific situation are you yes are as, you referencing the answer to my question yeah as it played out saturday uh first of all i was surprised we got him after a scrimmage uh, anyway, to begin with, yeah, to, to start at square one, but then I mean that was that was I mean there's no there's no doubt among anybody here that was a Warren Burrell versus. Uh, it sure sounded like it, but it could apply. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of I think young guys on this team that are talented that uh, may not be ready true. right now, but in six weeks, might and I, be I couldn't tell bigger roles than they they do at the uh, at the start of the season. I, I guess he was trying to go down the the middle there because I couldn't tell which one you would rather coach the guy who that was going to say the exact the same guy thing. who I'm not sure exactly which one is better of those the two guy that, well, that makes plays but isn't very fundamentally sound because he's still trying to learn or the guy that doesn't make plays because there's less plays presented to him because he's so but, fundamentally sound but the way he presented it is though is that even when those plays do come to the guy that doesn't make the plays he doesn't make them um and so and he he did was he looked at me I asked the question he was like which one would you rather coach I pointed to him, not at Zach Stipe, his uh, director of football communications, who he used in this metaphor. Right. So I, th- I think that's what he I, – I think he and I are on the same page there. I could be wrong. I think he was kind of wanting you to give an answer, and you didn't give an answer. No, I pointed to him. He saw it. He did see it? Okay, because you – told him – I don't want everybody else there to see what my answer was. You should have told him he has to answer the questions because he's got the $20 million contract. <laughs> yeah. Who's making what here, fella? But, yeah, I thought that was they interesting. They don't pay me to answer the questions here. Because, I ask the questions. Because I've said this before about press conferences. If you ask him the kind of question that he wants to talk about, he will give you an outstanding answer. He loves if to it's talk the kind of, yeah. coaching, process, yes. day-to-day stuff. He's Any, all about you, you know what it is. It's Bill Belichick. Anything defensive back related, anything. If, it, if it's a question Belichick doesn't want to answer, it's three words. If it's yeah. a question he wants to answer, it's 13 minutes. And, and he gave a great answer there, and basically Thank you, Wes. it came down to. That's a compliment to my question. That's how I'm taking what you just great said. Great question, Patrick. Uh, um, ipso facto, I suppose. But when you look at it like that, you have the exact dilemma that I think he has at several positions right now. And he said, he mentioned uh, a guy who's on the Tennessee coaching staff now, Nate Andrews, who was a freshman at Florida State back when the one season that Pruitt spent there. And he talked about how that that kid wasn't ready to start. And in camp, he was like, why did I recruit this kid? Why do we want him here? And then four games later into the season, he's a starter. And then he's a starter uh, who has a bunch of huge plays for a team that wins a national championship. And so I think that was important for a couple reasons. One was it was a great, honest answer. Two, I think it's even more interesting in a situation like Tennessee's because hypothetically, if you were in that situation at Florida State, that team went into the season thinking, okay, this is Jameis, this team's loaded, this team's going to compete for a national championship. They knew that. They thought, okay, get get by Clemson, can, can win the ACC, and then can get into the national championship. And this Tennessee team, I, I hate to break it to everyone, I don't think it's going into the season thinking it's going to compete for a national championship. God bless them if that's what they think. But I think they honestly believe that they're not going to do that. I think that's in the future. So does that make you even more inclined if you're Jeremy Pruitt to say, you know what, if, if these kids are going to make some mistakes early, let's let them make them and let's ride with them. Because in this situation, I would think you have a schedule at the beginning of the season that's not brutal. Mm-hmm. It's not easy because, you, you know, BYU went to Wisconsin last year. For the year first time in a decade, in one, yeah. you don't have a... You don't have you're, not, a, you're not playing in Oklahoma like you are next right. year. And you've got a month before the thing really, really, really gets kicked into gear. Uh, and again, no no offense to BYU, which did go to Madison, tough place to play in one last season. So full credit to them for that. Uh, and that's not going to be a gimme game. I it's think, a tough opponent, stretch. but if you lose as bad as it is in the moment, the season's not over. Correct. Now, I think that makes it more interesting because if you're prudent, you go into this, I almost think he's kind of starting to lay the groundwork for some decisions he's going to make 
to play a bunch of young guys. Mm-hmm. That's what it seemed like to yeah, me. That, that's how I took it too. Um, and, and there's a lot of young guys that we've heard good things about throughout this preseason. Um, I mean, and that was the main story of the first scrimmage, really, was Henry Totoa, Warren Burrell, um, Eric Gray. Uh, and we've, <clears throat> you know, we've heard good things. You know, Wanda Morris is in battle for a starting spot. You know, Darnell Wright is coming along. We'll be um, pushing for one eventually. Yeah, if he's starting by midseason, I don't think anybody will be surprised. Um, it seems like there's not a lot of competition outside linebacker, or there's not a lot of proven guys at outside linebacker. You know, Kavaris Crouch and Roman Harrison could get in the mix there. So mm-hmm. uh, newcomers on the defensive line are going to have to play. So there's a lot of new faces. And really this whole team is um, – they've got a lot of experience back, but they've only got, I mean, maybe 12 seniors on this team. Yeah. And about, not all of them are going to play a whole lot. So and One of them is Balaam Buchanan, who's out for a while. Uh, yeah, you know, Balaam Buchanan's out. Carlin Phil's me is out. Emmett Gooden's out. So yep. that, that further takes down – uh, a small number of guys, um, <clears throat> small number of seniors that I've got. So um, it's been a lot of inconsistency, it sounds like, from from talking to people and from listening to Pruitt talk. Sees a lot of guys that show flashes, but then they can't put two days together. That was the theme of Tracy Rocker talking last week as we asked him about all these guys. He's like, hey, I'll have a good day, but we're trying to get two good days in a row. It's, you know, it's baby steps with a lot of, guys, a lot of these guys. So, um, you know, what have they learned from this team, you know, about this team these past two weeks? I still think they're trying to figure some of those things out too, but now you don't really have time to, um, figure it out more because you got to start preparing for games. Uh, and I, I sort of made the comparison recently to the 2014 Tennessee team that had that first full class under Butch Jones, where you had Josh Malone, Jalen Hurd, all those guys coming in and playing a lot. Back um, when everybody thought Josh Dobbs was terrible. Yeah, e- Ethan Wolf's playing as a true freshman, Todd Kelly Jr., a bunch of guys thrown in there right away. I don't think this is going to be quite to that extent because you do have so much experience coming back on offense but I think you're going to see at least a partial youth movement, and some of it's by necessity on defense because yep. especially in the front seven, they just they need the help. Uh, the defensive line is going to have all three newcomers in there, and, you know, redshirt freshmen like Greg Emerson playing a lot. You know, It's going to have some new faces out there. So there's going to be growing pains, and that's, that's where we're seeing the different you know, categories of players. They have to rely on young players, so they need to sort of bridge the gap between those veterans who know what they're doing all the time and those younger players who don't know what they're doing, they're going to have to rely on them, and so that's why they—that's why it is such a, a big difference between them, and they need that to change as quickly as possible because they have no choice but to count on some of those young guys. And I think that's just the process of a new, relatively new coach at a program mm-hmm. that's trying to do what Tennessee's doing. I mean, you didn't—you didn't come in here and replace Urban Meyer, who had done what he did for a number of years and had the program in a really good place, or uh, go down whatever program you're talking about that has had success Mark Richt and and Kirby Smart you're going to go out over your skis a little bit with your young guys and force them in there because that's the best place to learn is on a Saturday against an opponent and it's going to make your program better in the future because of these uh, early experiences if they you know baptized by fire uh, you're investing in your own guys that you got here that that that's not from the previous regime uh, that you're going to rely on for a few more years yeah I think that the schedule lends itself to playing a lot of young guys early because, and and you can do that now because you can play guys up to four yeah, games. That's yeah, a, that's and a big difference too. You so get to figure it out in two of these first three games, sort of. Yeah, and and I think he might throw a couple of guys out there and be like, okay, if by the second or third game this kid looks like he's not ready to play, then we'll go ahead and back off, going to Florida with some of the older guys in some places, see how that goes. And then if those guys need to fill in for a week later in the season, they can still play one game in redshirt. And you don't want to be thinking about things just in terms of redshirt versus non-redshirt because I, I don't think that's – I think that gets overplayed a lot. Um, for for every time there's like a guy who, you know, in, in Brett Smith in football years ago who you say, man, it would have been nice if he could have had another year uh, because there were so many young receivers in what would have been his, his final year coming back. Uh, or if you look at it like Kyle Alexander in basketball this past season, you say, man – how much different are things if that guy's coming back for one more season? So, so there are times where that happens, but more often than not, uh, you got to play the guy if you play him and, or if you need him. And if you don't, you can wait a year and he has a, a redshirt year to, to, to burn. So I, I don't think that is so much an impact. And, and you know, we'll talk about who's going to redshirt, who's not going to redshirt. That's a completely different conversation now because of the rules. So I think going into it, I think he's going to throw a lot of guys out there. You're seeing the groundwork with this with the offensive line. You're seeing with the defensive line. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But that's just a couple of the positions where I think if you read between the lines for what Pruitt's saying here, it's not tough to start figuring out this puzzle and say, they're going to play a lot of guys, and they're going to play a lot of young guys. 
because the schedule allows them to do that early, and they want to see what they have. Because and, and some of these young guys are, are talented and, yeah. and, and are showing up in practices and in, in, scrimmage, in scrimmage settings. And say that five times fast. Yeah, true. Because coaches like to say that, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a coach admit on the record that, yeah, some guys are just gamers. You don't really see that very often. Um, you, you see that very, very, very occasionally. I think uh, old Buzz Peterson back in the day used to do that a little bit with Tennessee basketball when he called Boomer Herndon a gamer. But in general – yeah, I mean, Pruitt said last week that he's never seen somebody that wasn't good in practice and then showed up and was just good in scrimmages. I bet if you asked him candidly off the record <laughs> and no players could ever hear it, I bet he'd be like, yeah, there are a couple who are like that. Because <laughs> you, if you're a coach, you can't say that. Because um, you want guys to practice so just, every day just, and have you the You just slap me in the face is what you just did. No, I think if we're all being honest here, we can say that they've that there are guys who are like that. But he needs to see when the lights come on are some of these guys who are making plays in practice, are they going to disappear? Because that does happen. Everyone will admit that happens. There are some guys who are practice players, Jonathan Crompton until his senior season. Uh, you see these kinds of guys who do this all the time in practice, and then they go out there in a game, and it's not great at first. So I think they need to see what they have, and I think they're going to play a lot of guys there. But particularly in that scrimmage, uh, one veteran whose name did come up quite a bit from some people I, I spoke with who were at the scrimmage uh, was Marquez Callaway. And that shouldn't be a shock necessarily because he's a, he's a senior. He's a proven playmaker at the SEC level. He's had some monster games at Tennessee the past couple of years. Been a little inconsistent like the entire offense around him, but still good because you know Juwan Jennings, maybe not quite athletically what he was earlier in his career because of all the injuries. He's uh, an old man. Yeah, basically is now. And, and I think with those those knee injuries and other things that have kind of hurt him, but he's still a, a playmaker, still going to make big plays. But guys like Callaway and Palmer have got to step up and be big-time, consistent players for Tennessee, and I think it's good to hear uh, a scrimmage where Callaway is making some big plays. Uh, yeah, if, if you're going to make plays in the SEC, and let, let's face it, you ought to be making plays in scrimmages like this, and that's something I, I don't know if we've seen enough of that in past years when you think about you know past preseason scrimmages. You don't hear a lot – in the last few years, you didn't hear a lot about guys just sort of taking over. So yeah. I think to hear a performance like this, I think is a good thing. I think, you know, people always want to it's – a, it's a double-edged sword, obviously. The defense gave up the play, but at the end of the day, this is a senior playmaker for Tennessee. He led the team in receiving last year. He he should do that sometimes. So. And Tennessee's got pretty good young corners too, so yeah. they're probably giving him a good test every day. Yeah. Uh, but for him to go out there and kind of big boy him a little bit in the scrimmage, I think that's good because if you're Tennessee's offense, you need to see – guys making plays like that because those are juice guys they give your team confidence and i think we all know that tennessee on offense needs to have confidence because well, last season it just didn't well and i was just gonna say i think the best way for this team to overachieve or, or meet expectations this year is going to be for the offense to sort of carry the load a little bit and that's that means marquez callaway maybe following through on that increase in speed we've heard about this offseason mm-hmm. we're running a 4-4 this summer uh, Josh Palmer taking the next step that we all, I think, think he's capable of. Jawan Jennings looking as good as he's looked so far. Brandon Johnson looking as smooth as he's looked. All those guys yeah, contribute. Potential comeback guy, yeah. Brandon Johnson. Good story there. Dominic Wood Anderson taking a step forward. Ty Chandler and Eric Gray, you know, giving this offense some versatility. And, and Tim Jordan. Yeah, and, and Tim Jordan. New, new father, Tim Jordan. And, and audible, audible eye roll. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> by the way, to uh, before before Grant Knoxbuff Hamster. Congratulations, uh, Tim Jordan, on the, the birth of his yeah. child over the over the weekend uh but yeah the child he, is already buffer than grant yeah <laughs> and grant's already jealous of how buff the child is already but when you think about all those names i mean that's that's the best thing this team has going for it in a lot of ways so i think when you hear when you hear guys making plays like that that's that's a good sign i think for this offense you want garantano and callaway to be clicking uh, going into the season and that's uh you know that's obviously a, a positive on a day where you had some turnovers and other things that maybe weren't as good yeah because garantano needs to have a guy right I mean, he needs to have. He's got to have a guy. If it's, no choice. He needs if, four of them. Well, but, but I mean, <laughs> but, like but when, yeah. when it's third and six and everyone's blanketed, he's got to have a guy that when everyone's covered on third and six, I'll go to this guy. He'll be in front of the chains. He'll he'll pick up the catch, or at least he'll make sure it's an incomplete pass. I trust this guy to to give him a chance to make a play. He's got to have a guy like that that he knows when it's important he can go to. And, and Callaway might be that guy. I don't know. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but he was very. A lot of his catches last season were for first downs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, he was also, I think, maybe Garantano's favorite third down guy, I think. I could be making that up. Uh, but I feel like I've read those numbers somewhere. Yeah, I've seen those numbers I, somewhere. I think Wood Anderson will step up in that role this season too, but I think Callaway's still going to be the guy there. I, I think it's sort of a situational thing. I think you've got guys that pl- have different strengths. and like it's, If it's a third down, you need to kind of throw up a 50-50 ball. You've got Jennings and Callaway that are both good at that. If you need to throw a deep ball, 
you know, really deep. Palmer's the one who can sort of stretch the field better. And if you need to work the middle of the field, I think what Anderson's He'll be running a lot of go routes because he needs to. So you can, yeah, I was going to say, you can kind of mix and match there in my opinion. The the thing with this offense to me is, is we know a lot of the pieces. The pieces are, uh, a lot of these guys have been here for two, three, four years. What we don't know is how Jim Chaney is going to make it all work. Yeah. I'm not sure how much we're going to see it against Georgia State, but, you know, how how creative and how does he sort of scheme these guys into being successful? Because, uh, these guys, a lot of these guys were here last year, and the offense was wasn't very good. And uh, so, if you think the personnel, obviously players improve and get better, and, and you know, for seniors, sometimes you know the sense of urgency kicks in because you're okay. This is your last year to prove you can play in the NFL, whatever. Um, why why would there be an expectation for a, a big improvement and maybe carry the team like you said, Ryan? And and so we got to see kind of how all these things get used and mixed together, and and, and how um, how they're schemed into into being successful making plays and you know is it getting Ty Chandler and Eric Gray on the field at the same time is it using Dominic Wood Anderson out of the slot you know all these sort of things is using Juwan Jennings out of the slot yeah um where maybe he's going against teams third fourth best cover guy you know all, all these different things and so uh, I think that's the two big questions I think we all have left with the offense are what you know what is this offensive line going to give them and two what how is Jim Chaney going to make it all work and and take what he has and make a successful offense out of it because that's what he's done all throughout his career. You know what I was thinking Saturday night um, after kind of hearing some from, from some people about how the scrimmage went, who did well, yada, yada, all that stuff. I kept thinking, uh, and I didn't think about it any, when we were riding, I thought about it on the drive home, and it, it was this. It was, you know what, we've all been talking about Jawan Jennings maybe being back and really being himself again a little, or, or some some version of it. We've all sat there and talked about, Josh Palmer being a guy who could make the leap, maybe the most NFL-ready guy or NFL upside guy of anybody in that core. Uh, we've talked about Brandon Johnson, you know, coming kind of having a nice comeback year possibly. Uh, we've talked a ton about Dominic Wood Anderson maybe stepping up and being one of the better tight ends in college football. Are you saying that Marcos Callaway has been flying under the radar? Or that that forgotten was about where I was going. Now, I can't speak for everyone else. I'm just going to speak for myself. I thought to myself, I don't know if I've mentioned Marcos Callaway well, enough this preseason camp because was, there he is. Yeah, for a guy who was their top receiver last year, that's kind of true. Well, that, that's a lot of a lot of times in preseason camp. A lot of these veteran guys get sort of, I don't say overlooked, but you kind of forget about them. You forget about the Callaways and the Nigel yeah. Warriors. You look at the shiny new toys and, and Daniel Batulis, and you mm-hmm. you know you, you worry about the guys that are new that you haven't seen, and you worry about the guys that you're hearing a lot about. And you're you know when you ask people, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, Marquez Calloway is really good. Everybody kind of knows what he You've can seen do him for three years. Yeah, so. you know it's not that's not like earth shattering. It's like he's a solid good player and has the potential to be even better. I mean, T. Martin said he could be one of the best receivers in the SEC. I'm just saying a lot because I don't know if you've seen Alabama's receiving core, but they're ridiculous. Those guys are pretty. pretty uh-huh. filthy. Those guys are pretty filthy. Um, so you know, if he's among that group, then that's you know that says a lot about him. But the main uh, takeaway here is Wes drives home and thinks <laughs> he makes the radar. Like I haven't mentioned him. Well, he's under the radar. <laughs> well, he was under my radar anyway. Wait, okay, now you're clarifying it's your radar. You that's what I just radar? said. Like you didn't three say my ago. radar. I said I speak only for myself. On the, roll did, back the footage. Did you did you miss that part? Roll of back it? that beautiful. You're not going to like. I think this. that was between third person references. Uh, if, you're if you're listening to this Wes podcast right now, West was thinking. Rewind <laughs> about two or three minutes and then come back and you'll be like, <laughs> Grant's an idiot because I said it and you're wrong. But that's okay because I'm wrong a lot. I just in this case I know I'm not. Uh, Pat, before we go, step away and pay some bills here. Do you know? Uh, anyone else from the scrimmage that you've heard about that that I heard Eric Gray ran a lot with the ones again. That's hardly surprising. Any other, you know, we're, we're given the best news and notes and nuggets on GoVoss 24-7's checkerboard, but are there a few things we can toss out there right now? Um, I would say, uh, well, I think Ty Chandler had a, a little bit up and down day. Um, I think he had a couple nice runs. I know he had one touchdown and I think another long run. Uh, we also had a fumble that turned into a touchdown. I think Alante yeah. Taylor had the uh, the strip on that one, so... Uh, maybe still, it's, still waiting to see which John Doe returned. May, it, maybe maybe Alante making a play like that is the sign of him sort of responding to the challenge that he and Bryce Thompson have gotten the, you know this month from from Warren Burrell. Uh, defensively, I think we need to point out. I think DeAndre Johnson had a pick six. I think it was on a tip ball. Um, but good, you know. And he picked, I, and he, I would and he, and he, say, he picked Garantano too. By the way. Yeah, I mean it was yeah it was Garantano. He was with the ones, and, and I think I think that's probably a step for him to sort of lock down that next outside linebacker spot behind Daryl Taylor. So if, if Tennessee's in a in a 3-4, I don't know how much they'll play in, in the 3-4 against Georgia State. Georgia State, I think, has got a pretty athletic quarterback likes to run uh, and, and get outside the pocket, and I think they can sort of spread it around. But uh, he, he's a guy that when they're in the 3-4 could be that other guy opposite Daryl Taylor, and he could get on the field in some pass rush situations too. I usually imagine that when I – 
knowing nothing about Georgia State because we're going to learn about that in the next couple of weeks, I just sort of assumed that it would have a quarterback who could run around and do some stuff well, because teams like that almost always have a quarterback who can run around because he has to. Well, I, I probably know I probably know more about him than I should because I did a series looking at each of Tennessee's opponents. And for those teams, for the non-SEC teams, you really have to do a lot of research because you don't know. Yep. I mean, you know, I'm fairly familiar with what Florida and Georgia and Alabama and those teams have. Uh, Bama has a lot. <laughs> but Georgia State, you're kind of like, ah, I don't really know what the deal is. UAB, eh, we don't really know. Um, so They're playing football again, though. So that's important. They are. They won 11 games last year. Guys, uh, do we still like products? Sure. You like services? You like to, you like to, to have services? Oh, yeah. I love service. Do you enjoy a good in-house ad for, yeah. for another good CBS podcast? Absolutely. Then I've got good news for y'all. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back. It's Go Balls. 24-7 podcast. Still got the whole crew here at Fort Rucker. Not quite in the, the studio yet because, and this is a true story, Ramey told me on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, told everyone, guys, I, I think we're going to get the studio ready for, for the time everybody comes tonight. And he says, I'm not holding my breath. And then I called him a jerk and some other names. And then we spent a good chunk of the afternoon getting everything about the studio ready to go so I could be like, oh, show you, Ramey. And Spoiler then, alert. The studio is not ready. Because, and this is a true story, didn't get out the violin, Grant. Didn't didn't get chairs yet. Forgot I had my chair, but y'all would have had to sit kind of uh, kind of on the floor, crisscross applesauce, or whatever it is they call it now. Y'all would have had to sit on the floor to uh, to and to this do this. Is the how we learn. I I silently agreed with Grant earlier. I just didn't yeah, want to pile on. So basically, in the next forty eight hours, we're going to have chairs here, but we don't have them right now. So uh, that's the quick story there. Also, before we move on, talk about Tennessee's line of scrimmage. I think we do need to mention, and again, it was called back because of a because penalty. of a penalty. But Colton jumper, the ultimate jumper, the ultimate jumper. I think he ran faster than the guy than than the wrestler. He might have. When he got the ball in his hands, it was like Warrior just running into the ring. There was a little path of fire. And for those of, of you who thought... grass. For those of you who thought we're never going to have to hear this song again, Colton Jumper's never going to play much football again. He's like, you know what, hey, guys? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Disrespect the jumper. No, this is what people were thinking oh, okay. probably out there. Well, stop theoretically dissing the jumper, people. Because, listen... Hey, he played a lot of professional football over the last year. I know. Secret ended. So congratulations to the ultimate jumper. Had to throw that out there because that's oh, yeah. important. Forget about the AF. Yeah, he spent the uh, he spent the last preseason with the Saints. Then he was part of the uh, short-lived Ameri- uh, Alliance of American Football RIP. RIP. Pour, Pour one out. out. I completely out. forgot that existed. He, not only was he part of the AF, he was part of the uh, the best team in the AF, the Memphis Express, playing the Liberty Bowl. That's I don't true. Think they got the title. Rings. No, but I think Spur- yeah, Spurrier, Spurrier's team got the rings, right? Yeah. He made the rings himself. Well, since the season wasn't technically finished, I think anybody can declare that they were actually the champions. Well, like, if they played the thing out, Memphis would have won it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this he was took the, the words right out of my mouth. This was the guy who was running his mouth the other day because the Memphis AAA team beat the uh, Cubs AAA <laughs> affiliate, and he was running his mouth in the text <laughs> message. And I'm like, you know what? That, that doesn't really bother me. It should bother you because the Memphis AAA team is the affiliate of Ryan. That would be the St. Louis Cardinals. Also, right. should, also should give a quick shout out to uh, former Tennessee signee Lane Thomas, who had a big, big monster game last week for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's bounced back and forth a little bit. Came up for a cup of coffee earlier, went down, came back up, and uh, it, it kills me because I've known that kid since he was about nine years old. He's an awesome kid. Love that kid. Still talk to him occasionally. Hate, hate, hate that he's doing what he's doing for the Cardinals because that is like if you see like a really good kid and you're like, why are you playing on Satan Spawn? Why why are you doing that? That's the first place, Satan Spawn. Uh no, they're, they're tied. The, the Cubs and Cardinals are tied for first place. <laughs> after, after no, the, no comment. After the Cubs after the Cubs no won won. Hey, hey, are the Braves tied for first place yeah, their division? Jeez. No comment. <laughs> I'm 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 steering back towards the railroad tracks, but 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 back to the topic. I I, we I wish were, Lane, we were we were going to get there. Well, I wish Lane yeah. Thomas would play more. He's he's looked pretty good so far, and 
Cardinals outfield is not stacked. Wish him nothing but success. And the, the lane Cardinals, train is off the tracks. Yeah. I, I'd like I'd like Lane to have a great career, and I'd like the Cardinals to lose every game uh, that they play for uh, the rest of time. Uh, but 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 Tennessee's offensive line. Uh, speaking of things that also uh, were not good uh, at times last year, just like the St. Louis Cardinals, Tennessee's line of scrimmage not necessarily great consistently last season. But we knew going into camp that there was going there were going to be a lot of questions, probably more questions then answers, even going into the season. And then you, you take Emmett Gooden out of the situation. Are we talking offensive line or defensive line? We're, we're both of them. So you're, you're okay. thinking it's going to be tough on both sides of the ball, and then Gooden goes down with the injury, one of the guys Tennessee could probably least afford to lose. Now the season, just a couple weeks away, how much concern, as every day kind of gets closer here, does it become more and more of a concern that I'd like to hear more about the line kind of coming together? Which one are you talking about? Either one. Pick, pick your poison. Well, I think th- there's two different question marks. The, the question mark with the defensive line is what are they going to get out of these guys because there's no, there's no way of knowing because none of these guys have really ever played a lot. Um, the question with the offensive line is who the heck's going to be in the starting five and how, how are they going to get their best five on the field, who's going to play where. Um, and the thing with that is that, that Jeremy Pruitt didn't get into a whole lot of specifics um, when he talked after the scrimmage on, on Saturday, but one of the things he did say was that we tried a bunch of guys, most different combinations on the offensive line. Uh, and he didn't name any players in the course of his about 20-minute com- press conference, but I think he named eight guys on the offensive line that got first-team work on Saturday. So it sounds like there's a lot of guys that are maybe in contention. And some of that, too, is you got to find out who your sixth best guy, seventh best guy. Yep. Sounds like Ryan Johnson played at least four positions, maybe three, three, maybe four positions, center guard. Sounds like they even played more right tackle. Yeah. Which is, I think going back to his Brentwood Academy days. Yes, yeah, there. been a while um, since he'd been on the perimeter. He's um, a big kid. Actually, I, I think I think the first few practices at Tennessee, he was at tackle, and then they moved him to guard and, pretty quickly. But. And so you, you wonder, is he the swing guy? Is he the you know, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I, I do think that Brandon Kennedy is going to be a starter at center. Uh, Marcus Tatum is going to be a starter, probably at right tackle. Probably. I don't. You know, he started games at left tackle last year, so I don't suppose yeah. that's out of the question. But it seems like that that spot's going to be either one or Morris. We, I was saying, Jameer Johnson. Only seen him at left tackle so far this year, so it'd be a surprise. He's right tackle, yeah. Tatum is right. Yeah, right tackle. Yeah, yeah. You said left, but oh, sorry. You, only a right. If tackle. you if you stick both your arms out like that, you can make an L with your your left hand and not your right, just in case you were curious. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. If you're getting your left and right confused, but I was then telling you, you can make an L with your left hand, I, and not your right hand. I still think Karon Calvert will be the starting right guard. Hmm. Um, Mine's broken. <laughs> uh, but then you know you just you you don't know the Trey Smith situations up in the air with those guys, so it sounds like. Um, uh, we're releasing this on, on Monday morning. I'll have a depth chart up for the for subscribers. Um, and uh, I, I don't. And I'm, what I'm you not, do with I'm Trey not Smith, quite yeah. totally sure how I'm going to do the offensive line just yet. A lot of ors. You and Jeremy Pruitt both. <laughs> I'm not going to do ors, Wes. This is this is this is me making firm you predictions. Should call, you should call Pruitt and sympath- have some sympathy talks about what to do with this offensive line. <laughs> the I'll depth s- chart. I'll say this. I think Pruitt tipped his hand a little bit on the offensive line this week when he was asked about. Uh, a timeline for for naming a starting five. He sort of said, you know, hey, look, we there may be games we need to play six, seven, eight guys. Uh, there that many guys that deserve, deserve to play, and we're going to play them. And it, there may be situations where one week it's one group, and, and the next week it's another group. And I think that's sort of laying the groundwork, at least for the possibility of you know if Darnell Wright's not a starter to open the season, having but, him work his way into the lineup or shaking things up just because of the opening, the season opening combination doesn't work perfectly. And there's, you know, if Trey is back in the equation, they potentially have 10 guys that yeah. they could play. So they could platoon, you know, a second five out there if they wanted to, mm-hmm. hockey style for you two, not Wes. Yeah, the, the, uh, the Kentucky basketball uh, a couple years ago when they did that, yeah, just uh, rolling in groups of five. Yeah, and so – I think some of these positions are probably closer to locked up than than Jeremy Pruitt is willing to admit publicly. I don't know how much time he spends really focusing on the offensive line. I think a lot of those a lot of those decisions will probably come down to Will Friend and Jim Chaney. Yeah. But hey, hey, Jim and Will, what y'all got? Just yeah. th- throw and them I, out there. I'll say this too. I kind of going along with that. I, there's a delicate juggling act these days for every position, every program that goes along with keeping guys happy and keeping guys involved in competitions and. Yeah. That's just part of it. You you got to keep veterans engaged, and if you name a starting five with two weeks, this, with two weeks from the season opener, you you've got 
a lot of guys who are going to be sulking for a little bit, and classes haven't even started yeah. yet. So might be a lot of ores on that. I think that uh, that depth chart might have more ores. Not my depth chart, West. Mine in, will be firm. I, I think Tennessee's might have more ores than a Greek trireme until about the fifth week <laughs> of the season. Mine, mine might turn out being wrong in some places, but I'm making decisions. There's no sitting on the fence over I, here. I think you could guess a five reasonably accurately right now. It's just you may have one or two off depending on what happens to Trey Smith. That's that's the big wild card. Is it is it a concern? Here's here's my question: Is this a concern because Pruitt is saying that they might still have to rotate a lot of guys, or do you think this might be Pruitt just saying what he needs to say publicly? That that's my question. I think there might be a little bit of both. I do yeah. think there's some positions that that's not an answer. Um, that okay. Well, I'm going to answer it anyway. You answered your question. I'm going to answer it with my way. Fair enough. Um, I I do think there may be some situations where. Uh, they may let some competitions, both on the offensive line, maybe some other places too, sort of get into the first game. You know, you want to see what you know. If somebody, how do you play on Saturdays is ultimately, you know, what it gets down to in this business. It's how you. It's a bottom line kind of deal for players and coaches and, and everybody. So, um, if you want you you want to see some guys, if you want you know if you want to determine who your best player is, you're going to find out on Saturday. So there could be some spots on on the offensive line and elsewhere that maybe the competition sort of doesn't really end. Um, but I do think on the offensive line, you need to sort of – this is about the point where you need to get, go with the five, and this five needs to work together for the next two weeks. So they are sort of building some continuity and some chemistry and because this the offensive line more than the other position has to be a unit. Yeah, Because if, if one guy messes up, then they all look bad. And, and I think this sets up pretty well for Tennessee to be able to experiment early on. I know we've talked about that, but I think the way it's broken up, you get Co- – College is the right time for experimentation, Ryan. <laughs> but you get – you get the Georgia State, and, and obviously no disrespect intended to Georgia State. You're They're, disrespecting the crap out of the Panthers right now. All the now. Georgia State fans listening are that, furious. That's going to be the title are. of this episode. No disrespect to Georgia State. <laughs> but <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. But, yeah, that, that game does give you some leeway to try some different combinations and sort of solidify things for BYU, a game that I don't think you can take lightly. And you've got to sort of handle that one like uh, you're assuming it's a game that you're going to be in a fight and if it turns out to be a blowout great you get, I, I treat it like an sec game yeah you get some you know maybe you get some time with toward, toward the end of yeah. the game yeah an sec game but tennessee's first tennessee's <laughs> fir- the first game in neyland stadium history to have beer sold being byu is one of the more underrated subplots it, of yeah. my time covering tennessee so, so, athletics so there will be byu fans who probably what can't drink on that on their own campus that they yeah. attend games at but then they'll yeah they hear right. They don't Don't have they don't have soda in the press box at BYU. Just caffeine. Just be like just just tell them sitting that game out. Tell them tell them Bud Light. It's basically like Diet Coke. Basically, it's okay. It's caffeine free too. Go ahead and give it a shot. No big deal. See see how that goes. But but yeah, you got the BYU game to sort of actually. No disrespect to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. But to actually go with no religion, Wes. To to go with that's why uh, I just said it. I know we're gonna ban you from the board. (laughs) But to go, you go with that. You go with that again, lineup bringing religion into it for BYU, <laughs> and then if you have to make any adjustments, you've got another game after that to sort of reassess, change up some things, and try some revisions going into the Florida game. So I think it's actually a nice setup to go into the season with some uncertainty. Coaching staffs are. Um, were you going? Were you, were you, no, go ahead. <laughs> Step on my time. <laughs> Co- coaching Grant staffs was gonna are, say, Grant was going to say seven words in this podcast, and he was just getting ready to go. <laughs> there was the next one. Right that there. was there. <laughs> Uh, coach, coaching staffs are wired to think of con- contingency plans, and so they're, they're working through those things right now. And you may have a plan going into the season, going into the game, and then first series of the game, third play of the game, your starting left guard turns his ankle. You got to put somebody else in, and so th- these are things that they've 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 been working through. So it's not just you know I don't want to go to all but- butchism here, but he always said it's not about finding a five; it's finding six, seven, eight. And it's, it's true. You need full disrespect intended. To yes, <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Um, so you you need to find your next your your next best guys, your first best options off the bench, and so uh, I think that's also part of the uh, working through a lot of combinations and giving a lot of guys first team work. Grant, the floor is yours. I mean, I think this is what he's going to say until after that post game press conference after the Georgia State game. You're not going to know the five until they're they're announced before the game. Uh, there's going to be a ton of brackets, bracketed starters on whatever kind of depth chart we get at whatever point we get it. But it feels to me like, and this is on both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. Well, if you've got 11 defensive linemen and there's not a lot of separation between them and you don't hear about any of them really doing much of anything consistently, that's probably pretty bad. And I think you have more talent to pick from on the offensive line 
but if you have 10 or 11 or however many the, however many different combinations they're working with, it's, I don't think it bodes well. Yeah, and on the defensive line. Neg- <laughs> negative Nancy over here. Thank yeah, you. On the, I on have the, rained on this parade. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Wet blanket applied. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think with the defensive line switching over to there, I, I think that we can safely say that anyone hoping that, you know, guys like, middle, you know, Daryl Middleton and uh, – and Savion Williams were just going to be silver bullets to go in there and fix the thing. Just immediate impact, light silver you know, bullets. just boom, just there you go. You know, I, I think we can we can dispel that Coming notion to right now. Soon. <laughs> Th- those guys might end up being all world players. It's just if anyone thought they were going to step in from day one and just completely wreck the thing, uh, I think we can say right now that's not going to happen. So when you pair that with the the loss of Emmett Good, and you you start thinking what's going on there. And what's interesting is that I've heard of some situations where there are guys who, when they're going through individual reps, the portions of practice that we are out there, I've heard this a couple times now, there have been guys who are going through like 10th in line for those drills. And then when they go out there for team drills, those guys are running with the ones on the first rep. So I think that means a couple things. It can only mean one of two things. One, that stuff doesn't matter and they're playing everybody. Or, or two, there's a little misdirection there that they're trying to show us. So I, I think they probably have a better idea on the offensive line than they do on the defensive line. Because I think on the defensive line right now, guys, I think they're really, really searching for, for some consistency there. I think they're searching for answers, and they don't have a lot of time to find them. And obviously the uh, the disclaimer here, we don't know on Aubrey Solomon. We'll let you know when we hear No something. one knows as far as yeah. I know. Uh, it's, let's play back that Pruitt audio. Yeah. No. Yes. No. It could be game week. It could be the day before the opener, like JJ Peterson being cleared last year. You know, we don't we don't really know what to start. This point. Quote. No. End yeah. quote. Yeah. But uh, but got to, got to the point. But with with or without Solomon, it's yeah, it is going to be interesting. And I I think part of the part of the challenge here is you just don't know. I mean, you're even playing them against an offensive line that you don't know about. So right now, like even if guys are flashing in practice. Who knows whether that's going to translate to games because you've not seen these guys do it before, and you're testing them yeah. against an offensive line that still is a is a question mark. So uh, there's there's a lot to be decided. I think yeah, it's going to take a couple games probably for them to figure out a a really set rotation and and who who gets reps and who maybe gets left left behind or, or doesn't play as much. But they've only got you know they, they've still got a good number of guys up there, but it's not so many that um, that they really got to choose. I think they're all going to have to help in some way early on, and they'll they'll sort of pare, sort of pare it down from there probably, but. It's going to rely on, have to rely on newcomers because Elijah Simmons looks like he can help, and Darrell Middleton, and Savion Williams look like they can help, and then you've got again Greg Emerson as a redshirt freshman who's going to play a lot. It looks like, and that's four young guys that we've really never seen out there, uh, and that just I think gives you an idea of kind of what they're looking at. It's a, a lot of uncertainty, and, and even more so without Emmett Gooden now. I'll be interested to see what they do, and I don't know if we'll get to see enough of practice uh, this particular week to, to to know it. If the Solomon thing continues to drag into this week. I mean, at some point, and Jeremy Pruitt alluded to this early on, I think in preseason, you know, that when you're doing camp practices, yeah, you can. he gets as much work as everybody else, but once you get closer to game prep, you gotta, you know, you got to play the guys that you're going to have on Saturdays, and you don't know if you've got him. So, uh, you know, at what point – Thanks you, again, NCAA. You're great. At, at what point, if you still haven't heard, do you need to start changing up your approach with him? And so, um, yeah, I, I think, Ryan, you made it a good point. Uh, they've got ten scholarship guys. It would be nicer if they had nine, so they could just play three groups of three and yeah. just roll. Each guy gets thirty snaps against Georgia State. If they're not going to be great, just roll them out there, keep yeah. them fresh, uh, keep them fresh. I, there's not a lot of separation. I do think if they were playing a game, if they were playing Monday Night Football, I think there's a preseason game on Monday night this week. Um, I, I think their starters would be Emerson, Middleton, and probably Solomon if he's available. Yep. That Man. would that would be what, my what guess. if they were just like you know what forget this we're gonna play them anyway. <laughs> I hate that I hate that that was that my guess was go rogue. Yours, but I, that that would have been my three. Also, <laughs> we'll just go rogue. Uh, I do think I do think we haven't heard a lot about Savion. I think he's in the mix. Of course, at this point, who's not in the mix? We should one guy we haven't mentioned that Tracy Rocker seemed to like last week was Latrell Bumpus. Yeah, um, West Tennessee. Someone someone say Bumpus Hounds for me. <laughs> it's usually Grant does that. No, I can't do that. Okay, all right, you let me down. I know. <laughs> It's usual. That would be a good story. <laughs> Hear that though, from huh? a lot of people. If if either if either he or Blakely ends up being a pretty decent player, that would be a good story of a guy guys who have just moved all over the place, played on both sides of the ball. Uh, they could have taken their ball and gone home. They could have gone to a you know a different program. They could have gone to an FCS program and played right away. But they stuck to it, uh, never complained. If either one of those guys turns into a pretty decent player up front, I think that'd be a really good story. And, and, and what Rocker said about 
Bumpus last week was that he was their their best pass rushing defensive lineman. We don't know if that's off the edge. We don't know if that's you know from more of a defensive end three tech three technique spot. But uh, seems like he'd be one of the. I think he's maybe, maybe an edge guy, defensive gun guy. Probably a three four DN that I think he could probably stay at DN and four man fronts. Yeah. But um, so uh, again, not a lot of separation. I don't know if they've seen a lot of separation. Very up and down. Guys flash then then don't show up. Some guys look good in drills, then get lost in 11-11. So um, that said, I, I still think that they'll find a way to patch it together and be serviceable. Yeah, because they're going to have to. Because right now, I think if they lined up for a game today, their first three and their final three, there's I, not a, lot of, there's I, not a big gap I don't there. think there's a big gap between that. And, and maybe they're all pretty decent players, and, and they patch the thing together, and they're okay. And but I think the, that's a concern. The concern is that you got to be ready by game two because BYU's offense line is really good. Mm-hmm. So And probably – 38 years old <laughs> yes they're very big on the line of scrimmage because they're all probably 25 but um so 38 old <laughs> really old really old good thing i'm not that not not yet about, um, about 13 months away but yeah uh but I, I was gonna say i think the most encouraging thing that jeremy prude has said so far about that off uh, that defensive line he said saturday after the scrimmage that you know he, he it's not a talent issue he's not concerned about that it's consistency and that's not that you expect him to say, man, we don't have any talent there, but <laughs> that would be, it'd be, like, awful. It'd be like, great. But. Here's the problem. You want to have good players, and our players suck. That, yeah. that, that, that's where that's what it comes down to, I, guys. I'd love the honesty from a coach like that, but you obviously won't hear that. I covered one at the 1AA level. It was, it was fascinating. But, I but, loved every second of it. But Pruitt's a pretty honest guy, and I don't think he would be talking up the ability of those guys if he didn't believe that. So I think there's some if, there, there's obviously some some – ability in there they're seeing there's and not there's not a lot of second guessing because a lot of these guys are guys they've brought in yeah I mean, most of the yeah. position group is first and second year players that have come in the last that's, two classes that's that they're responsible for only what butler blakely and bumpus and were, two of those guys were playing tight end this time last year yeah so yeah so uh so yeah it's it's mostly their guys but yeah r.i.p cowboy collar i think darrell middleton though is a great just kind of a <laughs> a perfect example of what they're working with there because you see what he can do i mean you see he's six seven or whatever and and looks great even though he's over 300 pounds he, he's well built and he he you see tons of athleticism from him and then you see him go out there and they're pushing him to be more physical in practice and things like that i, mean, I, I, I would bet his rep to rep tape is just so frustrating oh for yeah coaches. i'm just guessing he's a guy that when they watch film he'll just completely just beast everyone around on a rep and just throw guys around and then for the next four plays he'll disappear and they'll be like what what are you doing so i just i, I get that kind of sense so i so i think you're just you might see some just wild inconsistency from tennessee's defensive line in some cases you might see them get run over by some teams and then you might see that group without you know not not relying on daryl taylor get four sacks in a game you know you might see really up and down production from them to some degree just because they're still learning they're still you know developing stamina to play throughout an entire game if they're if they're not rotating a bunch of guys they've they've got a lot to figure out and a lot just guys who haven't done it before so they've got to kind of ride the roller coaster with them i'll be interested to see how how pat puts together the depth chart on defense on the defensive front without putting a bunch of oars in there because he's laid down a marker, he says he's he not did, doing it. He just gave you his first three on. No, but has, well, behind I, that, what's he doing? I tweaked. I tweaked the format. Um, we are, you know, they say the NFL is a copycat league. We're a copycat network, so I see what yeah. some other sites in the network are doing, and I copy what they do. So you open with the nickel. <laughs> is that is that your solution on on the defensive line <laughs> to, to work in more guys? Uh, Four man defensive line. No, it it used to be I would I would play, play a one six. I'd, I'd have one A's and one B's and yeah. two A's. Now I just I'm picking starters at certain positions and then reserves. Uh, I will try to put the reserves in order of who I think is most likely to play um, to who is least likely to play. I'm interested to, to see that. Maybe I should explain that in the intro. What do y'all yeah, think? probably a good idea. Probably would be a good idea. That'd be my guess. Or be well, like, Ryan and Wes said it was a good idea, so I think it's a terrible idea. Like, here they are. Here it's true. Are, here Swim upstream. Here's every player on the team listed alphabetically. <laughs> go and go. Yeah, uh, guys, uh, before we step away here, we still like products. We still like services. We like all those things, don't we? Oh, yeah. I'm on the fence. <sighs> we'll go either way. Unlike my depth chart. What if they're really good <laughs> products or services? And, of course, and we say this not knowing on a week-to-week basis who our sponsors are going to be <laughs> when we record them because I listen sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's a cool one. Sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know I don't about like that. that service. Ah, I don't know about that. But, you know. Uh, but we believe in them. Officially, on the record, I believe in all of them. Yeah. Because if they're giving us cash dollars, then they're. Hopefully they, one of them selling some chairs. They make the best products <laughs> in the world. Office <laughs> chair company, we, we, we should thank you for that. And, though. Uh, I will say this. I've been meaning for months to say this. Thank you to the people at Tide, by the way, randomly, uh, who during the Super Bowl, when they came out, remember two years ago, Tide ad, and it was hand, 
just fantastic. Last year they didn't do it, and I said, if you don't bring back Tidad, I'm not buying Tide ever again. I tweeted that to them, oh, and they sent me there we go. six months worth of free Tide in the mail. So I was like, huh, that's pretty nice. See, complaining you. on the internet does work out sometimes. Apparently, and I wanted to tell them, like, you know, I was just joking, right? But And then they, like, a whole bunch of Tide pods, and I was like, well... This is great for two things. One, I can. Uh, you didn't eat any of them, did you? I can. I can wash all of our clothes, and I can eat them too. So, so thanks to that, and maybe Tide will be a sponsor in this program one so day. So that's your nutritional program. Who knows? That is hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. Hope everyone had a good commercial break. Got some good stretching in. I didn't get to eat because I don't get to eat food anymore. Is this the crude? Is this the crudeing session? It is. So I can like just pretty much just sit here. Just prop your feet up. Yeah, you, they're going to talk about recruiting. I'm going to complain about having to eat cardboard for a week, and uh, it's. I it's think people great. want to hear about the the crudeing. Feel sorry for you. I feel like a rabbit over here, guys. Uh, recruiting guys over here. Big big week for Tennessee in recruiting. Uh, went down to one of the more talented high schools in the country right now, and uh, plucked another one. Yeah, a bit big pickup for Tennessee. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, we, we talked about it in a, in a breaking news uh, edition Good of name. the, Good of the name. Go Vols 24-7 podcast. If you missed it, go back and check that out. But, uh, but yeah, a top 247 prospect, big-time target. That's, um, he had had an offer from Tennessee for almost 18 months. Had visited Tennessee, I think, seven times uh, during that span. So, obviously, a guy Tennessee's wanted for a long time. And just just so happens to be a teammate of Harrison Bailey, the four-star Tennessee quarterback sure that commitment. Had nothing to do with it. And just so happens to be a former teammate of Ramel Keaton, the Tennessee freshman receiver. Sure that had nothing to do with it. And looking forward, he just so happens to be the teammate of a five-star prospect, Eric Gilbert. Five-star! That Tennessee is still recruiting really hard and battling Georgia and Alabama for. So uh, you had some connections there that maybe helped Tennessee a little bit in the end, and now you have three. Like, hey, kid, if you want playing time. <laughs> yeah, and now you have at least three connections that help you going forward with uh, with Eric Gilbert a little bit and what should be a, a tooth-and-nail battle to the end, I think, for, for a, a guy that Tennessee's recruiting as a receiver but that most people see as a really athletic tight end. So A much more exciting battle than the NL Central race. <laughs> That's <Jeez>. true. <laughs> there will be a winner by default Again, in that one. Again, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man he, is king. Um, he propped his feet up and then jumped off the top rope. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah so, but, but forget the connection to Eric Gilbert for a second. Uh, B.J. Ojolari is a big, a big get on his own because Tennessee obviously needs pass rushers. Right. They, uh, they, they have, what, six on scholarship, and, and, and one of them, uh, Jordan Allen, just underwent a surgery on something or other. Uh, we don't, <laughs> Depends sure on exactly. who you ask, the yeah. head coach or the player. But, so, yeah, I, I, I think we, we decide that, describe that as a mid-body injury. Mid-body surgery, so, yeah. Um, so I, that, I need one of those. <laughs> 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 Sorry. But, so, uh, so they had five, so they have five scholarship Some guys. Biogenesis that, talk that going position. on over here, and then uh, and then Daryl Taylor is a fifth year senior that you know you have to replace after this year. So that's obviously a huge need. This uh, after they lost Jordan Davis, the the former Alabama signee that's at, uh, at junior college in Mississippi. He was once committed, obviously decommitted from Tennessee. And <laughs> he was early. once committed, then he was committed and had a top six. Yes. <laughs> And deleted that. <laughs> and the school he's committed to was not in the top six. And then he was still committed, and then he flipped <laughs> to Mississippi State uh, in early July. So, yeah, so he, he was gone, so Tennessee was back down to square one uh, in, in addressing that needed edge rusher, and now they, they have B.J. Ojolari and, and still still need at least one more, if not a couple more, at that position, obviously, to, to address it. Still looking for, you know, Tyler Barron locally. You've got Reggie Grimes in state. Uh, Savelle Smalls, who announced the top six. 
uh, on, five on star. Sunday. You missed, you missed uh, the five-star sound. Five star. sound yeah, five a five-star star. prospect from Washington that, that now has taken a pretty hard look at Tennessee after he visited the Vols uh, just a, a few weeks ago. So they, they've obviously got a lot of options there, but it looks a lot better for them now having that, that first guy in at that position with, with Ojolari. So, uh, Grant, you, you saw him uh, on Friday, too. He's, a, he's an impressive-looking yeah. kid, and, and I was impressed, too, by – what his coach had to say his coach you know you always hear coaches sort of wax poetic about these guys they obviously think a lot of them and, and have dealt with them for a long time but he you know his coach Richard Morgan at, at Marietta High School his, his got, high school coach he got he got sort of misty-eyed talking about him just the the number of people who came out and said that spoke to just how yeah. how well liked he is and he's what, so what a good kid at he is. destroying had, those other kids on the other side of the field <laughs> to, <laughs> makes me so emotional he, he had to he had to step away from the podium to, to choke back some emotion all the cheerleaders in the room Gave it a, a real, Aww, yeah, 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 one of those one of those <laughs> sitcom moments. But I mean, yeah. the, the work they do at Marietta, uh, there's a lot of talent, obviously, that goes through that school, and there's going to be a lot of talent in the future. And what they've been able to do, I mean, they got Harrison Bailey in November when they didn't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and it, it's not like nobody won the kid. I mean, it was down to Tennessee and Michigan. I mean, that was a, obviously that was a big deal, and it's been a big <laughs> deal since then. And and, and BJ checks boxes because he's like you talked about what you need at, at, at edge rusher. Uh, and a guy that can do a lot of stuff and a really good athlete and a kid that looks like he's still growing. I think he's put on like yeah. 25, 30 pounds over the last couple of years. And, and 197 as a sophomore. Right, right. Looked like a kid. And, and so now he gets he, to eat food. Yeah, now he looks like a – yeah. He's he's not on the – my wife hands me – My my wife passive-aggressively is calling me fat, and so we get to eat from yeah. cardboard for a month. <laughs> keep keep chasing your dreams, kids. Yeah. <laughs> one day you might be here. One day, but one day. I also – I think you've got to like that, that Ojolari is coming off a performance at the opening finals where his, his arrow is kind of pointing up now after that because I, right. think, I think there was some uncertainty about him at times. Like even Tennessee and some other teams looked at him in, in the spring, I think, thought, you know, he's not the longest edge rusher. He's only 6'2 to 6'3 in that range. Um, so you're comparing him to other guys on the board, and you're wondering, well, where is he? But they obviously were recruiting him hard the whole time. But he goes to the opening finals, and I think just kind of showed out. Right. I, th- I think Charles Power, one of our, our national analysts, in the kind of the analysis of, of what he means for Tennessee, he kind of he's still on the smaller side for yeah. the the edge rusher. He's not. I mean, look at Eric Gilbert. He's six five, two fifty three, and he's wanting to play receiver. Yeah. And this kid's uh, kind of a, a lot smaller than that. But I mean, he went there and he didn't get pushed around. He wasn't a guy that was going to. Uh, he stood his ground and, and, and impressed some people. And, I mean, what this does in, in the pursuit of Eric Gilbert's obviously huge. I mean, you, you see what happened with Ramel Keaton and now Harrison Bailey and now B.J. Oldroy, and you add all those guys together. It's a lot of peer uh, pressure. And Tennessee is selling him on stuff that – Other teams uh, aren't. Right, on, on playing receiver and giving it a legit shot despite the fact that he's 6'5", 253, uh, a huge human being. I would to, really like to see a guy play wide receiver. Just an athletic – and he looks every bit of 6'5", oh, yeah. 253. The kid is uh, a grown man, but – uh, what they've been able to do at Marriott is uh, crazy, and it's it's still it, it might not be uh, over yet. A couple under the radar connections there. Uh, so Caleb Cox has been on Tennessee staff for a few years. He, he was a grad assistant first, and now he is a he's listed as a recruiting assistant. But he played at Marietta, so he's been one of he he was kind of the guy who started off recruiting these guys wow. for Tennessee under Butch Jones's staff a few years ago. So he's been. He's known them for a while. Shout out, Butch. Uh, yeah, so getting so, this rolling. Full disrespect intended. <laughs> so, so you had, so you had that connection. Laid the groundwork. You've had like five or six assistant coaches at Tennessee recruiting these guys at different times. You know, Charles Kelly was the area recruiter there. He was he was uh, heavily involved with all of them. Now it's been Brian Niedermeyer the last several months, uh, and then you've had position coaches involved with all those different guys, and so they know a lot of Tennessee staff really well. Some of them were recruiting them at previous schools, like Kevin Sharon knew some of these guys at, at Georgia. So. Uh, it, they've had a ton of connections there. And then Derek Tinsley, a former Vol, is on Marietta's staff. Yep. So you've got a couple interesting ties there. A guy who came around 10 years too soon yeah, in, it, in the college football game because, man, what a difference he would have been able to make if he had been able to play in a different yeah. era when they knew what to do with guys like that. So, so yeah, a couple ties there that helped Tennessee in addition to those three guys that, that obviously know Eric Gilbert really well and have played with him. Niedermeyer's area is everywhere, apparently. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah I was, I was going <laughs> to say that. So I mean, recru- recruiting is never a – one one man's area thing. is the globe yeah th- there's it takes a village to recruit everyone knows that but when you look at the results you keep seeing tennessee getting some of these big time guys and you see the name brian niedermeyer pipe pipe like pipe up right there in all of them and i gotta think 
man, this guy's really made himself. I mean, he's the National Recruiter of the Year, the reigning one. And when, but still, man, what a job he's doing. Not, if, not to – go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, and if you're looking ahead at all down the stretch, look at who he's still recruiting for Tennessee. He's in. He's involved with Darnell Washington, the five-star tight end out in Las Vegas. He's got a good record with Darnells, I've heard. He does. <laughs> he's Seems re- to be. He's recruiting Eric Gilbert. He's recruiting five-star linebacker Noah Sewell out in Utah that visited Tennessee back in, in June. And then he's when recruit- I hear When I hear five-star Utah, I immediately become a little skeptical, but, but go on. The 266-pound linebacker who runs like he's 220. It's oh, insane. He, he's a, he's a skepticism a over. And uh, <laughs> and Savelle Smalls, the five-star ed, uh, edge rusher from Washington that we mentioned earlier, also being recruited by Brian Niedermeyer. So if he can close on even a couple of those guys, he's going to be getting his name mentioned a lot down the stretch earn another year. 150K yeah. <laughs> over the offseason. Not, not to get all deep thoughts like Wes over here, but oh – uh, Ojolari's older brother plays at Georgia, so Tennessee's yeah. now got two younger brothers that's a good point. committed in this class, and their older brothers play at Georgia. Yep. So that's another layer to the. Uh, you you think anybody will write that story there. leading up to the Hasht- Tennessee-Georgia game? In the hashtag storyline. Jeremy's Jeremy's living in Kirby's head. You know, normally though, they go through a lot of hair to get this there. Is, this is the <laughs> I just put out the biggest storyline in the college football world until Tate Martell catches the game when he touched on pass against the Gators. <laughs> next week. It, it's like normally the, in that situation, the older brother is the better one at kind of redemption, peer, peer pressuring the younger one into giving him information. And but but yeah, that's going to be really really the, the other set being the Mays brothers. I didn't mention them, but yeah. I think everybody knows that. We should we should also tease that there are a couple of now coming up this week involving Tennessee that we'll have fully covered for you on GoVols 24-7. Uh, but you know, right now it looks like a Kentucky-Tennessee battle for Trayvon Ribka, the three-star defensive lineman from Dixon, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's been fighting hard in that one, and, and Kentucky, I think, quietly has been in, in pretty good shape for a while. So that one's kind of come down to the to the wire here the last uh, several days leading up to it. And then on, on Wednesday, uh, one that's looking a little more positive for Tennessee based on the 24-7 sports crystal ball right now, three-star safety Mordecai McDaniel from Washington, D.C. And if you're looking for more connections, district, it's the guy who's a teammate of Rakeem Jarrett, the five-star wide receiver that Tennessee Store, still So many storylines. You yeah. forgot the five-star sound drop. Five yep. star. He's, he's committed to LSU, but Tennessee is heavily involved with, with Jarrett. So, uh, he's committed for now. Yeah. So uh, so, 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 so Mordecai McDaniel, and, the, and this is not just Tennessee trying to get... PB's getting them all hot and bothered. Yeah. This is not just Tennessee trying to get a guy who's going to help them with Jarrett, by the way, though. This is a safety they've coveted for a while, and he's, he's really athletic, has a good time in the 55 meters, which I didn't even know they ran in track in some places, but they do. Is um, that just like because the, they don't have the extra five meters? They're like, you run into a wall. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. You can't do that final five. <laughs> but why, why just do the 100? Let's go 55. Yeah, um, real estate's, you know, harder to come by some areas. Yeah. So let's do a 55. But yeah, so so he's great speed, and Tennessee's wanted him for a while, and, and it's come down to looks like Tennessee and Penn State and, and the crystal ball favors the Vols right now. So that one's coming up on Wednesday. So potentially and Florida wanted him as well, right? Yeah, so Florida, you're, you're Florida's keeping him away from there. Florida's the other, yeah, the other school in the top three. We just heard a little more buzz about Tennessee and Penn State. So we're sure Florida's not keeping people away from Florida. <laughs> Ouch. And pe- <laughs> but, people always say, you know, people always say that the you know if a guy's a three star, you know, it's not that big. Look at some of the look at some of the schools well, who want some of these three star guys, and, I, and you go, okay, yeah, that's there's there's a lot of upside there. And, and you got to cut off the the four stars somewhere, and he's in the higher the upper tier of three stars. Yeah. He's he's pretty close to that four star line. I know Brian Doan of Michael Jordan did not make his. his <laughs> basketball team. Well, I was going to say Brian Doan, our, our Northeast uh, analyst at 24-7 Sports, has said he wants to get a close look at, at, uh, at McDaniel this season because he thinks he might be a, a four-star candidate. So, If there's one position in recruiting that I would not question with this staff, it's the defensive back position yes. given the yes. prowess yes. of the head coach and the defensive coordinator and knowing what excellence looks like at that position. And I know people have, have wondered about you know Antonio Johnson, the former Tennessee commitment who, who decommitted a few weeks back. You know, I this is a guy, McDaniel is someone Tennessee has wanted, frankly, more than Antonio Johnson, if that gives you an idea of the level of priority he has been. So this is this would be a big pickup for Tennessee, uh, regardless of rating. Uh, they, they don't view this guy as, a, as even a high three-star. I think they view him as a really good player they'll be happy to get if they can win that battle over Penn State and Florida. And to refresh for everyone, when, what days exactly are those announcements uh, what, That's again? Wednesday for McDaniel, and then uh, Ribka is announcing on Tuesday. I believe that's that's going to be Tuesday afternoon. Do you have times so, on both of those, or are they still TB? Yeah, t- still TB. I think both of them uh, might be just sort of social. Oh, so funny about that. Uh, that's a uh, office reference, I think. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I think both of them might be s- just social media announcements. I'm not, I'm not sure either one is is going to have a ceremony. We'll see about that. But um, but yeah, those are those are scheduled for those days. So you think there is a chance that the next Go Boss 24 seven podcast? Because again, reminder. Instead of doing these on Friday and then one other day during the week, now we're going to go Monday morning, Thursday morning, and then anytime news happens. Yeah. So what do you think the chances are, without saying either one, <laughs> oh. hold on, 
What do you think Ryan, the chances are? Do you think there's a decent chance that there will be a Go Balls 24-7 breaking podcast before Thursday? Yes. Good, good that, chance. That one word. Thank you, Jeremy. Pruitt. One word. It's like you had it. You had it at yes, and then you had to throw and in a good you chance. Just, no. I just said good chance. That's what you wanted, a chance. Yeah. That's true. Uh, well, actually, there's a couple things I want. It's recruiting. Mind. Nothing's ever certain, right? There's, there's a couple things I'd like a right. good chance and also um, food that's not cardboard. That also no. would be good. What was the last? Hey, I've lost like like nine or ten pounds and in one week, so y'all can just <laughs> y'all can just yeah deal Grant, with that. Grant, you agree? There's a good chance too, right? Oh yeah, good chance. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey, Grant, we- what's another way to lose weight? I go to the gym. <laughs> Lift every day, bro. Me and Ty, Ty uh, I can't even think of his name, Hamster. So so you get to... you get to Tim Jordan. <laughs> Ty, I called him Ty. <laughs> I'm so shook right now. It's a little bit easier to do that when you don't get vertigo every time you turn around. Well, that, that would also help. I lift through my vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back at least Thursday. Sounds like perhaps before then. We'll see. Uh, until then, you can go back and listen to all of these podcasts. They are archived uh, throughout all of your favorite providers there, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all of them. Go to all of them. If you go to in, tune in, go to any place where you can get a podcast, you'll be able to find this one. Go in there and rate it too. That helps us a lot. It's the easiest way for more and more people to get information about this podcast is for you to go in there and rate it. We're not going to ask you to give five stars. We're going to ask you to give whatever you feel like is appropriate, which probably, if we're being honest, is a five star. You can follow all of us on five star, five star. You can follow all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey because he is not a team player. But what he is is excellent at Facebook. At facebook.com slash goballs247, you can find all of the personality Grant never shows in real life. He shows on that Facebook page throughout the day. Does an awesome job. Facebook.com slash goballs247. Twitter.com slash goballs247. Or you can go straight to the hose. You can drink the water straight from the hose at GoVols247.com right now. Got a good deal. Guys, we got 30% off on an annual subscription. Got a lot of good stuff going on there. You get access to football, men's basketball, football recruiting, men's basketball recruiting, women's basketball, women's basketball recruiting, baseball, softball. And it's football season. Why wouldn't you want to sign up right now? Yeah. And guys, guys, football, football. Pat, any final thoughts? Go Braves. <laughs>